Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Indeed, Three Martinis coming right up. And we got a couple of good ones for you here today. As a matter of fact, all three good martinis. And why is that? <laughs> because it's Thursday. Hey, uh, Rich McFadden with Jim uh, Garrity, as uh, mentioned before. And uh, we're going to jump right into these. Normally, as you know, Greg and Jim will bring you the good, the bad, and the crazy martini. But today, there's just so much good news, and who can't use a little good news right now? We're going to go all good today. So let's start out with number one here. And uh, wow, look at those jobs numbers, Jim. Yeah, I say, Rich, uh, but you said it's Thursday. I don't know about you. In my head, it's Friday. Uh, you know, a lot of people law Fourth Independence Day weekend is yeah. coming. What better way to head into it than with an off the charts good uh, jobs report? You know, first Friday of the month, we usually get the update from the Bureau of Labor Statistics of what the unemployment rate is. You know, just a, a number so good. I mean, my first instinct was that's got to be a typo. 4.8 million jobs created in the month of June. Uh, unemployment rates drops from 13.3% to 11.1%. Now, we kind of knew that as lockdowns lifted, businesses reopened the doors, you know, companies were going to start rehiring people. Um, and the, you know, the economists expected a really good number, something around 3 million. Well, <laughs> not wow. that's like two thirds better than their really optimistic one. Now, are we still trying to dig our way out of a 20 million job loss April? Yes. Um, are we still out of ways to go? Yes. These numbers are basically gathered to about the middle of the month. And then the Bureau of Labor Statistics kind of estimates what they think they're going to get for the rest of the month. We've seen an increase in, in uh, coronavirus cases in the Sun Belt states. It's possible that when they revise these numbers, the second half of the month isn't as good. And maybe it's not quite 4.8 million. But all things considered, this is just Heading about as right good direction. a single month jobs report as you could possibly hope for. Don't let anyone be a gloomy Gus and tell you this is bad news or not quite as good or something. Look, this is a phenomenal, phenomenal jobs report, and uh, it doesn't get us all the way back, but it's a nice big step in exactly what the country needed at a time like that. Well, and, and you know there will be the gloomy Gusses out there. You know CNN will dissect this thing down and try and find something that's not good about it. Yeah, there's 4.8, but... This sector of the society is being left out or, uh, you know, they will find somewhere somehow to make it look. And, you know, here's one of the interesting things I want to see is is now that we've kind of yes, there are businesses that are never going to open again. But what is the health? You know, if you've ever been to Mount St. Helens after the eruption and seen the regrowth and you, you understand the process of how weeding out some of the weaker businesses and jobs can then create new opportunities. This is what I can't wait to see, because I think that's going to be the boom here, is that on the other side of this whole mess is that there's going to be an explosion of new opportunities because people were sitting in their houses or offices for three months with nothing to do and just thinking, how can I reinvent myself? And that's what I can't wait to see. Yeah, that is very much the upside. Again, I think numbers like this further reinforce the point. It, it, it's going to sound a little bit like, you know, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? But other than this terrible pandemic, there's nothing inherently wrong with the U.S. economy. Uh, we don't have a housing bubble ready to burst. Well, maybe you know, we may see an exodus from the cities or something like that. But we right. don't have uh, overextended financial institutions. You know, before this pandemic hit in January, the U.S. economy, and particularly the job creation, was about as good as we possibly could hope it to be. Um, in, in these types of circumstances. 
pandemic comes, kicks us in the crotch. It really stinks. It really hurts. Uh, hurts in levels we haven't seen since the Great Depression. Yeah. But once the, you know, as the pandemic starts to alleviate, we're, you know, there's no reason to think the rest of the economy isn't going to uh, uh, rebound here. Something like, like movie theaters, okay, it's going to be really tough sledding yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Cruise ships, okay. Tourism, you know, maybe it'll be a long time before it gets back to what it was. But in terms of the rest of the economy, there's nothing inherently wrong with the entrepreneurship, ingenuity, uh, technological development. Um, there are real giant steps that are being made here. And, you know, the long-term prospects look bright if we can just get rid of this bad virus. So, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, you know, causing so much pain all around the world. What's the skinny on the Democrats wanting to extend this into the election? That's that's kind of the trick question on that side. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, it's a, I'm sure there's a moment of indecision. And then, you know, okay, it's more government spending. Another round of stimulus? Hey, they're, they're very rarely going to turn that down. Right. But if you do it, it might help Trump. Right. <laughs> so, Exactly. Hey, exactly. They, they found places they want to cut government spending. Unfortunately, it all happens to be cops. Yeah. All right. So let's go from uh, good martini number one to good no- martini number two. Uh, the long arm of the of the law catches up with uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. She's the British socialite and heiress who became the confidant of uh, Jeffrey Epstein. And what's going to happen with her now? This This ought to get interesting because, you know, he's gone. So we can't get any answers from him. But she's still around for long well look ever since you know ever since people had the first revelations of what was going on with jeffrey epstein and these horrible tales of uh uh manipulating young women using them exploiting them hurting them um and the sheer number of you know rich and powerful people involved people have wanted to know more answers who knew about it who was part of it um and you know ever since jeffrey epstein hung himself (laughs) pause for irony (laughs) You know, much like the Christmas lights, he's not going to hang himself. Anyway, so Jeffrey Epstein, you know, killed himself and with him the opportunity for a lot to get more answers. All kinds of stuff about him did not add up. The fact that he had a Saudi passport uh, in one of his desk drawers or something. The, many rumors really? or beliefs that he was, quote unquote, protected by intelligence, although no idea of whose intelligence. Um, the, how he accumulated his fortune. There were so many questions around him that were never quite resolved and that he took to his grave. When he hung himself, um, the next best question was whether Delane Maxwell might be the person who would, the surviving person who had the most insight into his operations, who knew his secrets, who could help uh, expose anyone else who was a part of this just abominable operation all around the world. Um, she disappeared. And, you know, interesting, was apparently the arrest was in New Hampshire, which was not considered one of her uh, uh, situations. I, I almost want to play. I fought the law and the law won. Uh, or yeah. Maybe we can insert, you know, insert uh, Tommy Lee Jones. You know, hard target search of every outhouse, doghouse, and henhouse in the area. They, you know, they got their man. And, you know, Rich. I don't know about you. I can't think of a better way to celebrate Independence Day than to cheer on a bunch of armed Americans taking down a corrupt British elite. You know what? <clears throat> If I'm going to hide from the long arm of the law, I'm not so sure New Hampshire is where I'm headed. Maybe West Virginia. But New Hampshire, you got to think somebody's going to out you there. So I, I, I don't know. You know, if she, had, if she had some local car and the license plate had live free or die, well, okay, <laughs> whatever, in a perfect world. <laughs> All right, martini number three, the good martinis. All right, so we got a good jobs report. Uh, we got a, uh, another dirt bag going to jail here. That's good stuff. So the economy is thriving, and one of the reasons, gun sales. Huh, who'd have figured? 
Yeah, I mean, this is you know, not just like, oh, you know, gun sales are up. Look, that happens every time there's talk of gun control or, or something yep. like that. Um, they are just off the charts from our, our uh, from our friend Brittany Bernstein. Um, background checks just for June were 3.9 million. Okay, that is 70 percent higher than last year. And last month's numbers broke this previous record set in March of this year. So far this year, the FBI has done 19 million background checks. Wow. Right? We're, we're done from January to June. Okay? Last year, which was the record, was 28 million. So we, we're, we're really on pace to not just surpass last year's record, we're going to blow past it. Um, and if, if this rate continues. And the, you know, I don't think it's the least bit surprising. This has increased uh, in part after a large amount of domestic of, of domestic unrest, violence in the cities, yeah. rioting, looting. People yep. want to protect themselves. People want to protect their families. People want to protect their their uh, their houses and their communities. What? Now, why is this good news? Well, basically, way back when during the Democratic primary, which feels like a lifetime ago, we saw the likes of Beto O'Rourke saying, hell yeah, we're coming to take yep. your AR-15. Yep. And, you know, that's probably one of the few things from his presidential campaign that anybody remembers. <laughs> it is kind of explicitly calling for gun confiscation. I mean, you think gun, you think blocking the sales of certain types of guns is going to be tough to pass. Now trying enacting a policy in which the police will come to your house and take away your guns that you paid good money for. I don't see that they decided well. Because they decided that even though it was legal when you bought it, we've decided to make it illegal now. Right. And therefore you have to turn it in. You're not right. allowed to keep it anymore. If the government reimburses you, they will reimburse you at the price that they think is okay, not the reimburse, not, not the price that you think is okay. Um, I think this is this is unicorns and rainbows thinking on the part of, of Democrats. They're they're never going to get this passed. I can't think of anything more likely to trigger um, insurrection, <laughs> you know that yeah. you know outright uh, not not passive resistance, maybe aggressive resistance uh, to this kind of law. And Biden, when Beto endorsed him, had, you know, praised Beto's uh, leadership on guns and things like that. Look, these kinds of policies are never going to fly. And when you see a massive expansion, including, by the way, from the work of our friend uh, Stephen Gutowski, a lot of first time gun owner, buy, gun purchasers in that mix, a lot of people who didn't think they needed one now are starting to rethink that in light of what they've seen in the first six months of the year. Now, you know, I think all of this makes any serious gun control less likely to pass and the Second Amendment likely to stay in place just because there are just too many people out there uh, who would find these policies utterly abhorrent. So, you, hey, can, you can put you me know. on that list of new gun owners in the past few years. Once once they started to tell me you can't have one, that's when I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Sign me up for not one, but two. I'll take well, two. Remember, the lesson, the lesson, Rich, is that you know, you're supposed to rely on the cops. Also, the cops are racist <laughs> and abusive and no one should trust yeah. them. Yeah, my brother's Those are the a two messages coming at the same time. Right. Unsurprisingly, people see a contradiction. My brother's a cop, and he tells me it takes me three to five minutes to get to your house, best case scenario. Who's going to protect you for that three to five minutes? Mm. So, exactly. yeah. And when will the Democrats learn that every time they threaten to take our guns away, that we go out and buy more? I, you'd think they understand that by now. And... And understand that all they're doing is making their plight worse and their situation worse and that they're never going to be able to sell this. Yeah, I know it's not like vast swaths of Americans gun owners aren't concerned about crime, aren't concerned about mental health, aren't concerned about uh, extremism, both foreign and domestic. The idea of radicalizing angry young men who have Mm -hmm. trouble 
It's not like they're not worried about school. Like there, there's a lot of common ground and a lot of area to work on solutions, but they're all based on targeting the person who has the problems and the person who is driven to either commit a violent crime or to, uh, uh, you know, have uh, some sort of, you know, mass shooter or, or something like that. Agreed. Um, it's based on, you know, okay, how do we fix the people? How do we deal with the people? And we've right. seen in the cases, you know, from uh, the Aurora shooting and down in, uh, uh, down in Florida, all the cases of which the shooters are all kinds of red flags, all kinds of situations where people knew this person was trouble. They knew this person was uh, violent tendencies, fantasizing about these things. In many cases, these a lot of school shooters end up being kind of obsessive about Columbine. Um, they have all kinds of warning signs. On so the drugs. question is, instead of trying to infringe upon the constitutional rights of every single American yep. out there, how can we focus our efforts more specifically on the people who are more likely to cause these terrible tragedies? And you'd like to think we could, you know, get some solution there. But there are a lot of people like, no, 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 like gun control is, is, is for some reason, there is a obsessive focus upon this instead of focusing on the people who are most likely to be a danger to others. Well, because if you just uh, create laws that affect the people that we're concerned about, that doesn't change the country as a whole. And that's the, the objective here. The objective here is to get rid of guns. And if we only take the guns away from the bad people and not the good people too, we can't change the country because you know what? Little number two there, constitutional yeah. number two, right? Speech and then guns. So that's, that's their top two targets there. All right. Well, well, look, our Democratic friends have a two-step plan, which is one, actually a three-step plan. Make a lot of currently legal guns illegal. Yep. Step two, defund the police. And the step three, sentencing reform so nobody goes to jail anymore. I cannot wait for the first two or three cities to defund the police and watch that experiment go down. That's going to be but really Chop might have been the first good example. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> the, first, exactly. the first Petri dish. Yeah, yes. yeah. There you hey, go. Hey, wonderful, wonderful thoughts heading into Independence Day week. Right, absolutely. Everybody go celebrate your independence because this is what it's all about. Have a great weekend and join us again next week for the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Columbus and Jim Garrity.